don't know is back again. Somehow, we're still going. Mr. Tom Richardson is on to his second beer, as is Ben Avery. There is... Uh, Come on, limit, still limited, struggling through his first. There's limited Heineken stocks here at Cakes Studios. Cakes Manor. Cakes Manor. So um, I've had to make my one beer. I've had to make my one beer really sort of last. But uh, Tom and Ben, look, I really want to get serious with this first proper episode of Dads Don't Know. We're going to talk about um, the biggest day, and that is the birth of your child or children. And there's obviously a lot of information out there from the female perspective about um, you know everything that happens on the big day. But there's just not enough info out there for blokes like us. And uh, we had to learn the hard way. We just had to uh, throw ourselves in it. And um, yeah, That's just... not entirely true. I mean, I went to the, uh, you know, the prenatal classes, that, et cetera. Not that, that helpful that in my did experience. Not help. um, I remember this guy early on in the prenatal class who um, they started putting on a video to kind of give you a sense of what to expect and he literally went kind of green and had to sit on the floor and then go outside for a little while. So I don't think he would have been much help to his wife. Was that, that video, I think it did it feature three couples, very strange looking, strange behaving people. Did you the notice anything like that? No, there. no, it was, it's very relevant. It was... I don't really remember that. I mean, the, the gist of the video was probably as you'd expect. It was, um, you know, the wonder of childbirth. You've got um, to think about who would agree to ha- to be on one of those Exactly. Videos. Exactly. Well, there's that show on SBS, you know, One Born... Yeah, my point exactly. Have you ever seen a normal person on that show? Well, I, I try to avoid watching it. It's sort of... <laughs> I didn't it's have a broadcast choice. at a time that I would be, you know... Well, you didn't have a choice. Happily and sitting down to do One TV in the house, Emily wanted to watch it. And made you sit down and say... Yeah. Get used to this, Ben. Look, I think we should probably start with Ben's story, given that it's... It's uh, fresh in the mind. It's fresh in the mind. And we should put Ben in the spotlight. Um, it probably needs to be said that his his wife is just in the next room. So there shot. might be some diplomatic issues in the telling of this story, but... So I might lower my voice a little bit. Yeah, but look, ben, This is the redacted version. Take us through it. It was, two, it was two months ago. Jack was uh, one week overdue, as it turned out, so uh, we were booked in to have him induced. At that point, we didn't know it was a him. Um, So we went to the Ashford Hospital on a Monday night, um, 8 o'clock. Are you chucking up, talking about this? Uh, (laughs) I may do, but not at this stage of the story. We've got a fair bit of grief to get through first. Um, So we went in, all was well for a start. uh, there's some gels, I think, that are put in without going into too much detail. Giggling <laughs> <laughs> like put, put, put into her system, let's say. Um, <laughs> cut. No, no, keep going. Um, Persevere. Come on, Maria Sharapova. We still haven't quite worked out why that's written there, but. Is this- it's I'm getting to, I'm getting to. Does this come under your tell jokes category again? It does, and I'm getting to Maria yeah. Sharapova. So we've got the gels. All right, coming. so the gels are in. Um, contractions start. There are a few issues early on. Every time Emily would have a contraction, uh, Jack's heart rate would drop. Um, so the obstetrician was called in. She sorted that out. Uh, we went out. We went through the course of the night where the contractions were getting a little bit stronger. 
Uh, not strong enough though that it was at the point where uh, birth was uh, approaching. Um, so early in the morning, uh, the obstetrician came again, uh, did her observations and decided that they needed to hurry things on a little bit. Um, so uh, she was given more of the medication that uh, that uh, brings on the contractions and she was also, oh, she also had her um, waters broken. Uh, and then things started to happen a little bit. The contractions got stronger and stronger, but uh, M still seemed to be okay. She was traveling okay. The reason I've got Maria Sharapova here is because <laughs> Emily was referring to the girl next door as Maria Sharapova due to the way she was grunting. Oh. Like when Sharapova hits the tennis ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah get I it? got that. Yeah. Well, you just looked at me blankly. No, no, I thought it was going to be a drugs reference. No. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, all has been revealed. So what was... So this was sharing, you were sharing some sort of... No, room. well, in the suite next door. That's did how bad a, this Did you have Marisha. a shared bathroom? Uh, no, yeah. single bathroom. Yeah, we had a shared bathroom, a door on each side. Very awkward. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> yeah, um, thanks for that. Yeah, and, uh, disappointing. So Maria Sharapova next door was the source of much amusement there for a while until uh, Emily became Maria Sharapova. <laughs> and I would actually say... Ref- Comparing her to a tennis player was probably an understatement. Uh, she was more so out of a horror movie towards the end. And M, M is a very mild-mannered, sort of quietly spoken person, so... She is. In fact, one yeah. thing you haven't picked up on is that I've got the word gosh written here, and that is because that is the worst word that I heard her say throughout the course <laughs> of the pregnancy. Gosh. Gosh. She's a saint. Um, but she was in a lot of pain, and uh, Jack wasn't coming out. And at about, uh, oh, at about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, she elected to have an epidural. Uh, and the pain was gone, thankfully, after a few very tense hours. Uh, and then at about 5 o'clock that evening, it was decided that uh, Jack wasn't coming out. Uh, so we went downstairs. Uh, about 10 people filled the theatre. Uh, we set up for a caesarean section. And uh, about 20 minutes later, we had Jack. Hmm. And um, cool. it was a special moment, but having been through that, unfortunately, M was uh, a little bit worse for wear, so it took her probably 24 hours before she could truly appreciate the moment, but um, we got there in the end. Mm. Good work, Ben. Thanks for sharing that story. Was, I felt like I was there. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that's the emotion a- of it all, though, Ben... Um, Let's, you know, here at Dads Don't Know, we're going to be quite open. And did you tear up? Did you get emotional? Um, so there was discussions with the midwives about who was going to take photographs during the uh, C-section because apparently the fathers usually get so emotional that they can't operate a camera. Um, it was at that point being told that I was quite worried because I thought there's no way I'm going to get that emotional that I couldn't operate a camera and then I thought what's wrong with me you know do all dads get really emotional and what if I don't Um, but we gave the camera to the anaesthetist glad I said that probably Um, and uh, sixth sixth, uh, (laughs) we need to quickly quickly explain I'll have trouble getting out the word sixth uh, in my career as a broadcast journalist Um, Uh, So, yeah, I did give the camera to someone else. And as it turned out, I would have been too emotional to operate the camera. And, uh, yeah, did tear up and found it an overwhelming experience. Just as a diversion on that topic, uh, I went out and bought a digital SLR when we were pregnant on the basis that I might have some good things to take photos of. 
and I did take most of the photos myself, but I've only just in the last handful of weeks gone off and done a WEA course on how to actually operate a digital SLR and realized how poorly <laughs> I had actually managed to catch all the drama and emotion of my son and daughter's birth. So that was somewhat of a waste. Our, fan, our photos are fantastic. In fact, too good because um, there's actually a photo of Jack coming out of Emily's uh, sliced open stomach. I wasn't what? prepared for that. Really? Yeah. Did you, they took yep. it from the other side of the um, divider. Yeah, he was roaming the room, right. getting yeah, every angle. See, I was taking from my vantage point. So it's sort of like a dad's eye view, I guess. I'm surprised that you didn't have that picture sort of on your lounge room wall <laughs> up here, Ben. It's a bit disappointing. Um, and uh, another side note to that was that obviously it's not good for the mother to see what's going on to her stomach when that's happening. So they put a sheet up. But um, what they didn't think about was the fact that the light that hangs over Emily's stomach and sort of, well, there's a couple of lights over her entire body are reflective. So Em was looking up into the light and uh, staring back at her was everything that was going on. You'd think if they did it on a regular basis, they would have worked that out by now. Well, you know, we didn't say anything. Maybe no one ever says anything. Well, here, here's your chance to... It's on the end record the, end the, uh, end the CC Ashford Hospital. <laughs> um, yeah, that story is, is not unfamiliar. That's quite, you know, I think when Finn was born, that we went through a probably fairly similar process. But, you know, for any prospective fathers listening, and why wouldn't you be? Um, it doesn't, it's not always quite so fraught. But yeah, we, um, uh, Gemma's waters broke uh, at about 5 a.m., um, and there were sort of contractions, you know, with the usual regularity. I actually had a column due, and given that they were about an hour apart, I said maybe I should just, if you know, the hospital told her to stay home for a bit, so I actually ducked off and quickly bashed out a column. Um, <laughs> he wrote a story, yeah. that is. Uh, yeah. Right, yeah, wrote a column for a, for a publication that I write for, and I've never read it since. It's no doubt the worst thing I've ever read. Um, <laughs> bashed out a column. Well, I, I want to track it down. I was actually... It was particularly poor. I don't really remember what it was about, but because I knew we were just about to go and have a, a baby, I didn't really want anyone ringing me up, you know, having the shits about something I'd said. So I, I, I'd written something that was completely inoffensive to anyone. For the and, first time ever, you've tried not to bait someone with one of your columns. Yeah, I was just trying to think, what can I write that's just not going to piss anyone off? So it was a really a real nothing column. Um, Submitted that at some point a few hours later. They said, yeah, you probably best come in. We had a brief discussion about whether it was appropriate to stop for a, a, to pick up a takeaway coffee on the way, given that we might be in for a long day. And then Gemma was cool with it, I'd have to say, but I decided it would be a really poor look to arrive at the hospital <laughs> carrying one, so we opted not to. Um, so this was the 31st of August, um, and it was... Uh, you know, a really nice sunny day and we went in and things were going well and they said yeah you're having a baby best stick around and we kind of thought yeah this uh, childbirth thing's all pretty straightforward it seems yeah. to be going swimmingly and a few hours later um, no further dilation um, and then a few hours on again no further dilation and so do you from clarify the start, what dilation is, Tom? No, I think I think we I think if people can look people up no, look, look Tom, it up for themselves. Please, mate, you brought it up. I prefer if you. Well, just... it's it's to do with the, the <laughs> circumference 
of the of the vaginal opening through which the baby is intended to pass. Yeah, so it wasn't probably till about twelve hours on from the initial waters breaking that we started to realise actually this isn't going all that well at all. Um, and not till <laughs> why are you Ben's losing it in the corner. Not till about eleven PM that yeah, in a similar situation, it was decided to, an emergency C-section might be the go. Um, and in turn, we would say, so as I mentioned before, we had a shared bathroom. So it was really awkward because, you know, they'd suggest going and have a shower. But then if the other person had decided to go and have a shower, then, you know, we had to wait our turn. And then we had like two people in the next room come and go while we, all this was going on. So we started to realise, actually... Ours seems to be taking somewhat longer than theirs. So was this... Is this in the private or public system? Mm, private. Private? Well, what, yeah, does you, what does your money get you then? Well, we were a little perturbed, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> what can you do? You're not really in a position to make demands on the, on the system. Um, anyway, so the upshot of all that was uh, Finn wasn't born till after midnight, which meant that he was a spring baby. Um, and yeah, he was all healthy and that he was all good. Um, but a long process, not all that pleasant, particularly for my wife. But um, now Andrew um, would talk about the birth of his children, but uh, they were both born on chest day at the gym. <laughs> <laughs> it's really quite painful for him. No, that's absolutely not true, Ben. Um, so Frankie was born by, um, as your notes say, Ben Caesar. Um, <laughs> But that wasn't intended. My wife Hannah was very had her heart set on having a natural birth, um, and did everything right in that regard. But then uh, Frankie got stuck, and of course we ended up in um, the similar position to what you described earlier, Ben. Three for three C section. Yeah, for the first one. So um, yeah, it was it was a tough. I remember it was a tough day because everything was going right for a natural birth. I knew that Hannah was obviously really keen on it, and then. Um, as things took longer and longer, the sort of stress builds. Everything was going fine, but it's just that build-up. You get to that point where you're like, right. Hannah was starting to get tired and everything was starting to go a little bit pear-shaped. Dax is just jotting down some notes as you're talking. Well, yeah, He's just okay. written down epidural. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. So, um, yeah, Frankie ended up having to come via C-section as well. And, um, yeah, it was one of those ones. It was For me, it was more feelings of relief. I didn't um, sort of go to water like like Ben. Um, That's not. But, what no, but it's one of those. Cakes is a sensitive it's one of those soul. Ones, no, where you you feel like you you should get really emotional and and cry and all that sort of stuff. But I was just relieved that it was all over. We asked, think, did, did you get emotional, Tom? Um, look, I did, but two things, and I don't want to sound like a prick here because no, I'm pretty, um, you know, I'm pretty. Uh, what, devoted father if I do say so but I was never really um, a particularly paternally minded individual so it has never been it had never been a big goal of mine to have children and I'd have to say because of the way it all unfolded most of my emotion was invested in my wife's uh, discomfort and distress and I hadn't really thought about what mm. the end result of all this labor so to speak uh, was until it actually happened and um yeah, and, and even then it was, it was all a bit... Did you cry or did you not cry? Um, 
It was probably the odd tear, but as I say, it was, <laughs> it, it, was, it was probably more seeing my wife in that, like in, that, in, that, in that position, in that distress, than, um, you know, the, the sort of moment of the uh, event. And in fact, even after Finn was born, it was all a bit sort of rushed and chaotic, and then you ushered over to cut the cord, and then you got to tell, you know, Gemma's mother was out in the next room, so, you know, letting her know and it actually wasn't until about an hour or two later when he was he finally down wrapped up and sleeping in back in our room and she was you know sort of passed out on the bed that i just had a quiet moment to look down and think oh yeah wow that's um that's pretty amazing it's a good achievement um quickly summarizing so we all had seizures which i don't think i even realized technically our wives had them yeah well, well our, no, we were part of it. We were actually in a rare club where um, Hannah had a natural birth with her second one, right. with Pearl. That is a rare club. Yeah. And yeah, no, we had a we had a planned C-section to follow. I mean, the fact that the um, obstetrician came in the next day and said if you'd been, you know, in Africa or something, you would have died, probably mm. didn't instill us with a great mm. deal of confidence. But um, that's another story altogether. But it, suffice it to say that with the plan booked in c-section we went in and half the operating theater we knew through someone or had worked with or mm. had, you know Gemma had worked with one of them in a previous round when they had worked for local council or something so it was very adelaide c-section where <laughs> you know you end up making all this weird small talk just before they cut you open and deliver your second yeah, child yeah we had that too but um the point i was going to make was during the process of having this c-section i think in the days afterwards I heard a story of a woman who had a C-section with her first child and then was telling somebody about it and uh, about having a child. And then this person has said, did you have her by C-section or natural birth? And she said, C-section. And the woman said, oh, don't worry, you're still a mum. Well, as in would say, gosh. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. I mean, it's probably a whole separate topic for discussion, but there is a... See, there's a weird attitude out there about it, particularly given it's so prevalent and not prevalent just in a, you know, this is what we've decided to do sort of a way, but, you know, in terms of an actual necessity. And, uh, you know, I think this chat has just um, showed that it's uh, it's an incredibly common uh, necessity. So it's a very, that's a very strange attitude. It's not one that I've ever encountered. You kind of see it. Um, my wife's bent for Googling everything along the parental journey has um, meant that I have seen the, the all these sort of forums and chat rooms in there. I've, so I've got the sense that there is that attitude out there, but it's not one I've ever encountered. One of the uh, moments that I just want to highlight throughout the my first labour process as a dad... emphasize we haven't... Yep. There's not a lot. I'll tell, tell, tell jokes, jokes. Back to Ben's notes. Okay. Mm. Well, this may, this may cover it, but uh, there's one particular highlight for me... Um, during labour when um, I was having a little snack in the corner of uh, the room, a little snack, and then the midwife calls me over and says, oh, look, you know, for the first time I can see your son's head. Come over and have a look. So um, I brought my box of pizza shapes over and (laughs) I was uh, standing there front and centre looking at my son's head for the first time coming out eating a box of pizza shapes and um... yeah that was not not dissimilar when we first got there there was one chair in the back of the room so i obviously went and sat myself down for the long 
ordeal ahead. Just knocking out columns where you're telling And they all <laughs> might have been checking a few dream team stats. <laughs> but they, and then the whole room sort of turned, including Gemma, and turned and looked at me and said, are you right there? You might, do you want to take that somewhere more appropriate? Because this chair was situated right at the foot of the bed. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I think they all kind of shamed me into uh, sitting somewhere Getting back to, to preserve this, the dignity of the of the patient. Getting back to this keynote of uh, ensuring that we tell jokes during this podcast, which we've kind of struggled to do throughout the course of the last ten minutes or so. Um, a colleague of mine, who I won't name, uh, said that childbirth for him was like watching his favourite pub burn down. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's an interesting take. Can I tick that as a joke, considering yeah, I mean, you didn't laugh very much? No, I thought it was funny. No, I was just immediately trying to work out who the colleague was. The only reason <laughs> I didn't break into hysterics is because um, my um, brother-in-law and a friend made the same joke um, only last weekend. So I'd already heard it, Ben, and it's not very original. So did you guys have any uh, perceptions that turned out to be way off, um, sort of in those following days, weeks? After birth, I mean, Ben. Um... I think uh, I'll probably won't be able to find it at short notice. But the text that uh, Cake sent us a couple of days into his parenthood was probably quite telling. It was. We were amazed at this emotional side to the it was an emotional wreck. He was. Yeah, the the normally stony uh, Ben, <laughs> who um, you know has covered the most gruesome of murders around town as a police reporter. Well, this was a crime of sorts, wasn't it? No. No. <laughs> Not no, really. No. It's just a natural, natural ben, occurrence. Um, despite the fact that you're in pretty terrible shape at the moment, you do like to get to the gym. And how often did you think you were going to get to the gym? Are we doing this, are we, yeah, in this episode? Are. Here we are. Um, I had planned to go to the gym daily throughout the course of my six weeks. And how often did you go, Ben? Well, um, hang on. I'll just look at your rig now and I'll say you might have gone. Actually, you didn't go, did you? I went once. Yep. Even I went more than you in that the course of that six weeks. Maybe not, I'm a better father than you. <laughs> no, well, not in the course of my six weeks off. I'm talking about in the course of your six weeks off. Oh, that's not comparable, is it, really? Well, it is. You know, you're not comparing apples with oranges anyway with our respective gym routines. Um, yeah, look, I intended to go more. It didn't happen. <laughs> it's one of those things. It is what it is. Um, I feel like I'm back on track now, uh, as you might see. No. No. No, I haven't really picked that up. There's a lot of talk about... Just just for the listeners, Ben is rubbing the cavity in his (laughs) chest. (laughs) So a couple of things you're going to have to cut out now. There's something interesting that's sort of been common between Ben and I about uh, checking that your newborn baby is alive. Um, I think that's a pretty routine. Like, um, it's... It's this sort of hideous double standard because you want them desperately to sleep, but as soon as they do for more than about half an hour, you're constantly going over and putting your ear up to their nose to make sure that you can actually hear someone breathing. But then waking them up when they're sleeping is going too far. Well, is a- it? Em was telling me she was a bit unhappy. In hindsight, it is, but at the time, I thought he could potentially be dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyone could potentially be dead. <laughs> well... You start off by checking the breathing and the chest going up and down. And if you're not 100% sure, what do you do? Mm. I don't have to feed him. <laughs> well, this is, a, as you know, you'll no doubt discover in, in due course, it's one of the big differences from your first to your second is uh, 
you start to, even though you'll still have that kind of gut instinct, you know, we haven't heard anything from them for a while. You just know intellectually now and, you know, through experience, that is a really dumb idea going and potentially waking up a sleeping child instead of actually going to it's possibly bed yourself. the worst idea. So, yeah, fail for cakes on that score. Parenting fail. I'm a novice. That's you, right. I'm it's here a, to learn. It's That's a, what this is all about. Yeah, it's a, it's a common it's it's a common error. It's a We are here recording at uh, Cakes Manor. Rookie mistake. Cakes Studios, as we often call it here in the uh, dining room at Ben's house. Um, did notice that your dog Zephyr is still here. Um, sort it's of hard wonder- not to notice there. Yeah. Making his presence he's felt. very in your face and he's clearly put out about this new arrival. I'm just wondering, Ben, when you're going to put him up on Gumtree? Cakes and is currently uh, underlining the sentence dog on Gumtree. Yeah. Um, on that, Ben, when are you going to put the dog up, mate? Because um, this can't go on. You know that. You know that- nine minutes 18. That's how late you were. Oh. <laughs> that was a running tally of how late you were. Um, we discussed this briefly in the yeah. last episode, so I don't intend to spend too much time on it, but the dog won't be going on Gumtree. He's our firstborn. Gets a little bit less attention now, but uh, he probably didn't need as much attention as he was getting. He seems fine. He's we got should a revisit this in future episodes because I believe at the when uh, Jack is four months, Zephyr will be, oh, you know, yeah, look, he's an outside dog now. Um, look, we're not that keen to have him inside. And then um, I think at six months we'll come in and there'll be no Zephyr one way or another. He's quite, he's, he's getting a bit prickly on this topic though, he isn't is, he? He's very yeah, I know that Emily's going to listen to it and I have to be very careful with what I say. There's no way that, in fact, if it was a choice between Jack and Zephyr, I do worry about what decisions she'd make sometimes. Mm, controversial. Very controversial. Mm. There's a major sort of theme that's going to be through Dads Don't Know and that is... Richo's reviews? Is that what we're going to call them? Richo's reviews? I don't know. Because I think you should really lead this. What's uh, the chance that someone is still listening to this, do you think? I think pretty high. I think you're... There was a lull in the middle, I feel like. Well, we can cut that out in post. <laughs> yeah. We're not cutting anything there's, yet, Tom. Well, there's, there does need to be a little bit of editing. It was dramatic pause. Yeah. It'll, it'll actually bring people in rather than put them off. Um, anyway, so Tom um, is going to review a television show, a children's television show, every episode... And today, he would like to start with Fireman Sam. Yeah, there's going to be some deep analysis. And he's reaching to his this. pocket because clearly he needs a script. Well, I've been put on the spot here and I don't have a script, but I, uh, what you'll find, Cakes, as, as uh, your youngster you know, develops, is that you'll find yourself watching an inordinate amount of children's television that you had never really factored in in your planning. Um, and it drives you insane. It will largely drive you insane, but and it, my kids are now at the age where they just, you know, we've got the Apple box and they will see thumbnail pictures of shows that I've never heard of and just say, we want to watch that. And they're not old enough for me to explain that we don't own it. And then they'll have a tantrum. So I just have to buy it because <laughs> they don't understand that the fact that you can click on something and it plays actually means that my credit card is getting charged for the pleasure. So we've got about 33 shows that I had never had to worry about four years ago that are currently on our database. Um, but some of them are genuinely quite good finds, such as Fireman Sam. Oh, hey, 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 are you hey. starting this off in a positive... You actually Where are we going to slag stuff? off all of the shows? Well, as like the joke? See notes? <laughs> it's... No, well, no, I, no, 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 I, no let's, let's be really... I, I would have to say that of, that of all... 
of all the, I mean, my son was obsessed with Fireman Sam, as many sons are, and uh, I'd never heard of it. Apparently, you had heard of it when you were. Well, I think you hadn't heard of it. I'd never heard of it. It'd been around since I was a kid. Well, since I think eight, since eighty-seven. I had actually. no concept of this, but apparently, it was like Thomas the Tank Engine, where it actually started off as a sort of claymation stop-motion type of number, but it is now a digital, <laughs> digital. Animation powerhouse. Yeah, but the digit. Look, my point. But, I don't really, I don't but my, whereas my son started watching Thomas as the claymation Ringo Starr version, he started watching Fire right, and Sam as the digital animation along. version, and therefore could, would never go back to the original version. Anyway. So tell us why you think Fire and Sam's actually a good show because. Well, it's not a good show, but it you know it, it is. Uh, I would rather sit through a Fire and Sam marathon than say a poor patrol marathon <laughs> on any on any given day because um, it's actually quite a controversial show when you actually look at the characters i mean fireman sam himself you take him out of the picture because he's by far and away the weakest character on that show is really really poorly drawn one-dimensional character a real personality sort of, or do, like well, he's just a, a do-gooder uh with no real sort of controversial dark edge to his personality um, but if you look at the, the, the rest of the town, it's a very small town. I don't really know how they have an economy to sustain. It's like one shop that services the entire district and everyone else seems to be employed by the fire department. So I don't really understand. Do you reckon it's a significant emergency services levy that is perhaps... It must be. They have, a, they have a very strong Labor council. <laughs> there we that go. Is... There's a joke that only SA people will get. <laughs> We're no longer a national show. And almost every fire call-out is caused by this one kid, Norman Price, who is clearly a, a very sad individual, a recidivist, juvenile offender. I did some research on this show prior to the uh, episode because I'm probably the most diligent of the three of us. Yeah. And uh, one qu key question that uh, was brought up in the reviews I was reading is, um, well, there are a couple. The first one was, how many fires can they possibly have in that small town? Just because they're all caused by Norman Price. Yeah. Although, as you know, in later series, they started to write him out a little bit because it did become, I'd have to say, slightly predictable. Couldn't the town of Pont... <laughs> Couldn't the town of Ponty Pandy just... I was just going to say, like, you just cut the head off the beast and get rid of Norman. Lock him what up. Mean? Lock him up. Well, this in is what, juvenile what, they, what they actually ought to do is, and, you know, this is a serious issue for, for lawmakers. Um, someone needs to be held accountable for his behaviour. And in my view, it should be his mother, who is very lax in her, her authority. Um, and is it a slur against redheads? Well, what, what, do you, what do you think about the choice of... I was wondering whether you, I was wondering whether you were personally offended because there is have an seen, element of Britishness. Yeah, not not He's not, not, not for some weeks, by the way. But but there's definitely going to be an influence. Haven't, haven't had any invites to come around and, and catch up. But Frankie's well. Frankie's watched a lot of episodes of Farm and Sam, and he's I can guarantee that he's at his ELC early learning at the moment. And if there's a redhead in his class, he's going to be thinking that kid is going to be causing trouble. He's a pyro. He's a pyro. Although Fireman Sam himself is also a redhead. I think it's just because... So they're trying it, to cancel it out. No, I think... It, it, are there a disproportionate amount of redheads in Wales where it's set? 
Maybe. What the other thing is, of course, um, Elvis, the sort of parody sidekick, is dangerously incompetent. <laughs> and... Uh, really should be turning in his stripes as a firefighter. I-M-H-O. It's not serious of you, come on. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> but, have you any thoughts on... Uh... <laughs> Bella Lasagna's cafe. Well, didn't she, didn't they write her out once they went to digital animation? I think they actually merged her and Norman's mum, whose name eludes me at the moment, into one character, but kind of left a little sop to her original character by um, making Norman's mum wear those horn-rimmed glasses that she used to wear. Anyway, it's a rich tapestry, the history of Fine and Sam. But, you know, and one that I was largely unaware of, Cake says he grew up on it, but for me it was always uh, Thomas the Tank Engine and Masters of the Universe. Yeah, we are going to get your thoughts on uh, Thomas the Tank Engine in future episodes. Let's not it's talk not, about it now. It's but... not, yeah, blow our load too soon, so to speak. <laughs> Why would you say that on here? I'm not going to chop that out. Too, you have to make the edit on the other no. thing too. <laughs> two well, edits. I would have thought that was, a, that was a reasonable analogy given the content of the uh, of the discussion. I did notice when I was doing a bit of research that um, Fireman's Sam is listed as a children's comedy. Um, the fact that comedy is in that description really offends me because it's not funny. No, it's not. Overtly funny. I've never seen Finn laugh at it. I think they take it very seriously. Absolutely right. Run out of notes on my notebook. Well, just we can never point out this this point enough. Tell jokes. There's two ticks next to tell jokes, so we must have got two out. You also really highlighted 1986. Yeah. Which is when Madonna brought out Papa Don't Preach. And according to you, was was one year from the inception of the original Fireman Sam Claymation series. (laughs) On that note... I think we should wrap this episode up because it's uh, probably going downhill now that we've reached the end of Cakes' notes. Who it's knows what would happen if we were just purely ad-libbing. Follow me on Twitter, Ben Avery 9 It's been emotional. I'm just Tom Richardson on Twitter because I got in early. And I'm Andrew Montessi on Twitter because I also got in early. And you have and a more unique name. Ben was a late adopter. Anyway, thanks for listening. 